Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host. Brandon Morton is on vacation this week, so I'm doing my own podcast. And George Lyle is sitting next to me. Ben Bredigan is sitting next to him. We are at Fort Lyle. Fort Lyle, sure. Or the Lyle f- Ranch. The farm. The farm. The I like farm. to call it the farm. <laughs> okay. All right. Today, we um, we spent, I want to say, 10 hours in the field working with dogs. I got a text. Actually, I got a phone call from you maybe a week ago, roughly, saying, we're bringing the Upland Cowboys back together. We're yeah, bringing the, them back together. The Upland Cowboys are, are gathering up at the farm, and we are going to get some uh, puppy development and, uh, yeah, dog training going on. So let's let's mm-hmm. get together and get this done. And mm-hmm. like you said, I don't know, nine, nine or ten hours today. Yeah, I, I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted. You just cracked the Coors Light. Good for you. Uh, ben? Yeah, I'm it's a beautiful day out. My gosh, I am excited to be out here, and it feels like spring finally. It does. It does. And uh, bush for Ben. Um, <clears throat> so let's take a step back. If you don't know who George Lyle or Ben Bredigan are, my guests, um, you may, may want to tune into a few of our past episodes of the Flush Television Show. Both George and Ben have been regular podcast guests as well. Ben works for Onyx. George Lyle is my bird dog training mentor, one of my favorite people in the entire world to spend a day with, especially out in the field. Um, And George, how many years of dog training experience do you have? Well, I've had dogs all my life, Mm -hmm. but I would say it was about certainly 25 to 30 years ago I got my first real hunting dog you know that i got as a pup and mm-hmm. said i am going to develop this pup into something i can be proud of and hunt behind and and work together as a team so 25 30 years yeah and the amount of knowledge that you have is i mean like you're my go-to and i talk about this all the time on this podcast that i recommend people that have questions find somebody that you trust <clears throat> and then you maybe keep picking their brain as long as they'll answer the phone when you call and you always answer the phone. And I appreciate that. You have spent so much time with Daisy. You're probably, you and Tyler Webster are really the reason that I have my, my dog. She's a big running dog. She's got prey drive. Like, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. She, she, but, but I got her because I watched your dogs. I watched Tyler's dogs and obviously, Tyler's mom and dad made Daisy. Our Tyler's dogs. Yeah, made let's, Daisy. Yeah, let's clarify <laughs> that. that. Like I said, it's been a long day, a long day. So we're going to do our best to kind of make sense of everything that we did today because it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. We have three dogs here that we spent the majority of the day with, and then six other dogs. I want to say, or no, five other dogs. How many are no. there total? Well, I have four, that's so that's three. three. Yeah. Five. Five other dogs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That might count. Yeah. But congratulations to you, buddy, because you got a brand new puppy. I did. I got a new English pointer pup uh, right before Christmas. Went down and picked him up from a friend of mine down in Oklahoma. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I've spent a lot of time on the on the puppy development of just being a good citizen around the farm here. And um, taking them a lot of places and experiencing a lot of th- different things, you know, take them to the hardware store, take them to the, 
to runnings and uh, everything, just mm-hmm. so you can see what the great wide world uh, is. Yep. And now he is just about four months old, and I wish this day would have come sooner. But as you know, in Minnesota and way out here, southwest Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, we're sitting about one mile from South Dakota. My farm overlooks South Dakota. But anyway, it's been brutally cold uh, or wicked winds. I'm, 35 mile an hour has not been uncommon for the whole month of January. Yeah. So it's difficult to get out and and, uh, and and get him on some birds. So today was a huge day, and we're going to talk more about that because, um, you know, we got – he's four months old. Yep. Then we got Amos, Ben's dog, which is just about – turn one like today or tomorrow or something like that. And then Daisy's a year and a half. Right. So it's- so we had a, we had different levels, but there's always things to work on as I'm learning. Always stuff that I want to work on with her. And a lot of times you've taught me this, George, go back to the basics, go back to the basics. And <clears throat> you and I, when we were driving today, because we went to a couple different locations, we had some birds that we uh, been brought out, some pigeons, uh, allowed us to do some some different drills and work with the puppies. But you and I talked about this when we were driving back from a property tonight. It's difficult to teach somebody everything that we went through today by talking about it. It a, a puppy seminar is basically what you put on today for us. And our dogs ran through it. It's difficult for a, for me to try <laughs> to wrap that up. I mean, I feel like we would need to sit here for 10 hours and talk through the details. So that's, that's my challenge with this topic. But there's a lot of information that we can discuss that I think is going to be helpful. And you don't have to have a puppy. This conversation isn't based on puppies because prior, or, uh, you can teach an old dog new tricks, right, George? Yeah, you can. Yep. Yes. So it, this anything that we did today could be done with a ten-year-old dog. It it's where you would. I mean, yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Is it easier to start in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. But I don't care if they're ten weeks old or ten years old. If they have, if they don't have a foundation, then like you said, you have to go back to the beginning. You have to. With an older dog, any dog, you have to start at the beginning. There are no, you can't skip the steps. You know, so many people, uh, we were talking on the way back from the last piece of property. Mm-hmm. We are talking about someone called in or sent a message or whatever and said, I'm getting a new puppy this spring. Yeah. Where do I go to run it on birds? What did I just say? I have a four-month-old puppy now. I got him just before Christmas. Today is, it's not the first day he's, uh, he, I've taken him to uh, Kansas. He's been... Um, out here chasing pheasants. So he's had some bird. He more or less has been going out on walks with you in Correct. areas, in fields that there are birds. And he's come across birds kind of on accident, right? right. I mean, you knew what you're, you I had brought, your veterans out there and your dogs are on point. So you're like, all right, let's, let's go rip. Gonna, you kind of work rip into those areas, hoping he would pick up the scent. Correct. Yeah. So Correct. that's kind of introduction right there. But today, absolutely. today I would call... Or would you call today really introducing that puppy to birds? Absolutely. Today was an absolute A1 bird introduction. Yeah. Uh, puppy introduction to birds. Um, he has retrieved all kinds of quail in Kansas. He's uh, 
you know, retrieve pheasants, even as a little pup, just, and I would is, say is retrieve, he drag, he's picked them, them up and yeah. he dragged like a pheasant, but the quail, he was picking up and, and doing a great job on just retrieving just, you know, bird scent, just go figure out what, again, it's go figure out what those things are. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you put a bird in front of a, a dog that hasn't seen a bird. Like I'm talking, let's just go with a six month old to a year old dog or a pup. Let's dogs. Don't become dogs until they're like two years old. So anyway, they'll look at it and paw at it and be confused. So if you can start them at a young age, which he did, he, you know, at nine weeks old, he got his first smell and mouthed and walked around with a quail in his mouth. So mm-hmm. that part and, and other lot, and we're talking about other foundation things that were done. That's what got us so success. That's what created success today yeah. in all the dogs. But, you know, if, if we're just talking about Rip. That's what got it done. So I've, if we had a video or like a live feed, it would just have been textbook on how to introduce and what you would want to see happen for a dog. We got to watch your dog, Rip, um, get excited about birds, uh, experience birds. All of a sudden, Rip's on point. By, the, by tonight, he was just going from bird to bird to bird and locking, four, them, like, locking them down. Four months it, old. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the the drive, I mean, because the first pigeon that Rip smelt this morning was a curiosity thing and didn't really, you know, just was running around with the other dogs. And then everything you did was intentional. Um, and that's why this is a difficult conversation to talk through because there are so many small details that you do that I find fascinating. I, I spend a lot of the day... And I told you guys this, I just want to watch. And I'm trying to soak up as much of the little tiny details because they matter. And you have an ability to work with a dog and predict what a dog is going to do well before it even does it. I mean, Ben, you and I, have, we've watched George and we talk about this sometimes too, because George is your, your go-to just like he is for me. Yeah. And then you and I, we go back and forth about our pups all the time too, because we got big running dogs and, you know, eventually they're going to be what George has. And, you know, but he can predict yeah, what, it's, a, what it's a dog funny. will do. Well, we were sitting, sitting by your silo, chit-chatting, using it as a windbreak. And it's like, I, I can't argue with it, right? It's yeah. like, I've seen it too many times. It's not uh, by happenstance, right? It's not a coincidence. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's just back up. You asked me how long I've been training dogs. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, like, you know, you guys call me. Well, there's been a lot of mentors in my life. Um, the least, I'll say six. But Rick Smith, Ronnie Smith, Delmar Smith, uh, Sonny Picars, um, friend of mine. Legends, Wait, legends. Oh, I mean, Delmar is, is the legend. Rick Smith's son is the legend. His cousin, Ronnie Smith, legend. And I've spent the last 20, I think 20 or 22 years with the Smiths and doing their foundation. And when, you know, we talked about it briefly, we always got to take a step back. It's always about the foundation. It's about what? The foundation. The foundation. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it is all the things that 
some people look at and go, well, that's kind of boring. Can't we go out and just run the dog? Can't we go out and find the birds? Find the birds. Where, yeah. do, you, where do you take the dog to go to the birds? We, we, know, let's the, go to the the bird. message I just got on the way to your right. back here after we left and, the field was exactly that, like you said. And I laughed because I said, that's a mindset that a lot of people have. And I had too. I wanted, I thought that's what makes the dog. I thought I needed to be out in the field. Well, you always hear it. It's like birds make bird dogs, right? So yeah. it's like, what do you do? Birds, but that's not the, that's the concept, but not the details. Yeah. That's not where it begins. The dog knows what a bird is, right, George? Yes. But you need to get that dog to understand its role in the field and how you two are to be together. Yeah. You need, you need the puppy to understand that. And I don't want to sound like, you know, discipline, discipline, discipline. It's not about that, but it's the littlest things, holding the puppy accountable, not jumping on you and being able to put food in dog bowl and not have it, you know, jump on you, not have it come out of the kennel, not have it come out of a crate when it's not, you know, it, and when it, when it's asked and, and these, I'll call them asks, these experiences the dog gets, let's just say coming in and out of a crate that takes what? Four seconds, five seconds. So we're not sitting there demanding a puppy. I'm talking eight to eight weeks to four months old, we're not asking, we're not holding the puppy accountable for minutes. It happens in seconds. And it's little subtleties that you can, that the, that the pup will build on. You know, the first time it comes out of the crate, maybe you only ask it to stand on the other side of that door for literally two seconds or five seconds. And then you let it come out. And then the next time it's 15 seconds. In other words, you're just, it's building blocks. Mm -hmm. And I, I do have that same, I have a command. She's not to go through a door, whether it's the kennel door, whether it's a door in the house. I mean, she will stand there at the door. And a lot of people that don't understand about the training that has been put into her and the time that you've invested in her and in me, um, and then that I've then invested into her, um, when they see a door open and here's this, this, this little lady sitting there nicely, just waiting for someone to let her go, you know, and then I just say, okay, and then she's free to go. But those are the tiny details that you can build on, right? I mean, yep. that's, you told me that right away. And I feel like there's thousands more details that I'm learning every time we work together, 10 hours in the day today that we spent. Ben, how many birds did you bring out? What's the, what's the, uh, what was your goal today when you came out here? If you had to like in the back of your mind, what were you hoping to do? Yeah. So I, I brought a lot more birds than I thought we'd need. I think we had a total of like 40 birds. Pigeons. And, yep, yep. Pigeons. And you know, I had, I didn't expect us to get through nearly as many birds as we did, but you know, because normally it's like a few here and there, but, and it was, the nice thing was all really purposeful, right? It wasn't just like, okay, let's run another bird, another bird, another bird, another bird. It was, you know, there was rhyme and reason to everything we did, which was cool. Um, but so I pretty much, I mean, the goals coming out here was to start, well, A, to kind of pick up where I left off from the fall. Like George said, it was rough winter. We can't get out a whole lot in train. So first kind of 
brush up, pick up where we left off after the season with some steadiness work, um, and then try to keep building on to that for the summer just to keep heading in the right direction. So uh, working on backing and then um, steady to wing and shot. Yeah, and we, we started off today at different stages for the puppies. Obviously, Rip, four months old, he started at such basics, but Daisy, she'll be two in a couple months. So she's a little older than a year and a half, but right back to the basics. Ben's dog, right back to the basics. Amos, we all went to the chain gang and everything built from there. When that dog, I, I, I don't know, George, maybe you can help me here. How can I help or how can we help somebody that has a question about where do you start? Because I think that's what a lot of people wonder. Um, think about that for a minute. And then I'm going to tell you something else that Ben and I talked about when you were working and we were observing. And I think it's important because there's a lot of people that want to have an awesome dog. There's not always people that are willing to invest the time in like you invest, that Ben and I are trying to do. Sometimes they send a dog out, maybe they've got the, the, you know, the funds to pay for an excellent trainer and the dog um, is well-trained. But I don't know that they can run a dog as well as that trainer can because the trainer needs to teach the handler. And that handler has to understand what that dog has been taught and how to run it. So I feel like just this time that we're trying to, to spend here today is so valuable. And I get that we don't all have unlimited amount of time. If we all did, we all would probably choose to work as much as we can. But the value in the time that we spent out there today and that we continue to spend, we're, we keep talking about today because this was you know, a day that we all just decided to spend, but it's not just a one-day thing. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, just like you said, the nuances that you would never you could never pick up on, right? Until you see it. And then you see it in a slightly different variation with another dog. And just those really little things that add up to be, you know, big things. Like uh, we had an example today where um, Amos, Amos, the backing dog came up, he stopped, um, flushed the bird. And then I walked up behind him and George said, hey, you know, that his demeanor just changed a little bit when I was walking up behind him and it was like something that I didn't even pick up on being in the moment. Right. So imagine a trainer giving you back, giving you the dog back and saying, you know, you'd have no idea. Yeah. George and, said, and yeah. So you walked up behind it. The dog did, it was surprised the dog, the dog's on point yeah. doing its job. But then all of a sudden the dog's unsure what, what you're doing coming up behind. And then it was a reaffirming, yes, we need to approach from a direction that the dog can see and understand what you're doing and watch. And it's a good reminder because you then, George, said that a lot of times people in the field, dogs on point, they're going to come wa walking right up behind a dog on point. And then you, you, like, you almost bump that dog off a of point, always come in where they can see, approach from a uh, direction not right behind the dog. Yeah, you... Well, first direction to approach a pointing dog is at least a 45-degree angle, in my in my personal opinion. You don't come walking up behind it and two feet off to the side. You want to give the, <clears throat> the dogs focused on that scent cone, and you don't want to distract the dog from that scent cone. And if you, get, if you crowd the dog, 
they're going to glance over you or whatever. And that, that just takes the style out of the dog. And that's, it was the nuances, right? Mm -hmm. So the dog was standing still. Amos, Amos was standing still and Ben. Looking like a million bucks, well, by yeah. the way. And then he walked over there and, and he also, he kind of like, his tail came down, his shoulders Sunk came in, his, his rear yeah. end came in a little bit. And I just said, Ben, stop, come back, come around the other side of him and come in from the front. And immediately his rear end went back out, his tail started coming back up, his shoulders went out and his head came up even higher. And what we were trying to do is the scenario was he went in and, and pointed the bird. And by the way, these are pigeons and they're in a, in a trap in a, in a bird launcher. So this, the, he had pointed, we had flushed the bird, we had sh shot the starter, the training pistol, and he stood through all this. So I'm like, this is the nuance. Like, let's keep the style in there. He looked like a million bucks. Back off. He came around in the front. Like I said, the dog lifted his, I'll just call it his spirits, whatever. His shoulders came up. His head came up. All we were trying to do was get a command lead or, you know, mm -hmm. a leash back on the dog so we could move the dog off from that spot. Yeah. And when he did that, Amos looked, came right back in and looked like a million bucks. Yeah, I think, you know, we jumped ahead here because yeah, I, I, my question to you was, how do we start this puppy development for somebody that, you know, I mean, we, we get regular uh, messages from people, where do I start? Um, should I train my own dog? Um, you know, do I, can I use the, the same training system that you use for your pointer for my flushing breed? You know, maybe it's a lab or whatever breed they have. And your answer to this every time is absolutely. You're trying to get that dog to do what? You want the dog to do three things. Stand still or sit still. Stand still for a pointing breed. Mm -hmm. Sit still for a flushing breed. Go with us. So if we go off to the right, that dog should cast off to the right. We turn, we go to the left, the dog should cast and come over to the left, out in front of us. That's just go with us. And then when we stop, the dog is to come to us. It's... You want to break it down? Yeah. That is three things. That's all that, That's all we're asking the dog to do. Mm -hmm. When we come, when we are at the kennel, we're about to let him out of a, a dog box or whatever, that's pretty much just stand or sit still. We open the door, okay, come out to us. Come off the truck, want the dog to stand or sit still. And if you don't have that, by the way, the stand or sit still, you can't go any farther. <laughs> you the, the birds don't matter is what you're saying the birds have no yeah because because if you got a dog that's that's not willing to just be with you and stay steady st just calm the mind is everywhere else you know in a puppy just imagine like you put a puppy in a field of butterflies what is that puppy gonna do like there's a butterfly there's a butterfly there's a butterfly <laughs> so it, does it really matter if there's a bird out there no, because it's a puppy. It sees butterflies. It's going to be all over the place. So back to that. Standers, sit still. Go with me. And when I stop and I want the dog to come to me, come to me. There could be a distraction. There could be a highway out there. There could be the net. You could, you know, I don't live in town. I live out in the country. I'm I'm blessed to have a nice farm. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, like you live in town, 
very busy town, and Daisy has now learned her boundaries. Before, she didn't know her boundaries, right. which got a little scary. Very. So she needs to be with you. And that's it. Those three things, if you got those three, you have a dog that's going to cooperate. Yeah. I, I think getting to that point is intimidating for some people, myself included, based on, you know, her, her, her drive and her, her desire to run like the wind, George. But um, obviously we reined that in. She's wonderful. Um, she killed it out there today. Proud of her. It's fun to watch her. I'm already excited for next season just because, the, you know, like the progression. And, you know, a lot of people say the second year, you know, a two-year-old dog or the three or four, you know, you'll just, you'll see night and day difference. And, you know, she, she's continuing to make some certain things that I wanted to work on with her. Uh, some, I guess, mistakes I, I would call them in the field, or maybe it's me. I mean, you might call them something different, but you know, that getting that first bird in her, when we go out in the field, <laughs> that first bird, it's like she forgets everything. Why don't you <laughs> briefly tell everyone what happens and what our solution might, well, Ben yeah, came this, up with a great solution. This is, this is great. Kind of so uh, we talk, we laugh about this stuff all the time because social media is a funny place, right? You see all these pictures of people and they're like, oh man, you must've had the greatest day ever, you know? And then we have the real conversations behind the scene. You're like, she got it going. She's all of a sudden she does a 180, smells a bird, goes flying in there, nose in the grass, rips that bird up, chases after it. She's 250 yards away. And I'm like, you are not a flusher. You are not a flusher. You are a pointer. She comes back. We have a little moment together. And it's almost like I don't say anything anymore. I just look at her. I'm like, why are you doing this? Because sometimes some of the properties that I hunt in my area are, are small and there may only be half a dozen birds on them and they're all going to run to the same spot and if she goes flying in there she blows it up you know and then she's like okay all right dad now i got that out of my system let's go hunting now but sometimes i don't have the ability to go hunt anymore because you just blew it up yeah i want to eliminate that from her and ben said yeah i mean my first inclination was well because we talked about it yeah bring a bird with yeah just uh yeah (laughs) put a bird in your pocket (laughs) but then people would look at you weird when you got like all of a sudden pigeon out of your pocket so maybe not yeah no (laughs) there's there's little things like that and i i laugh about it but it does bother me we, when you're out there because I'm trying to film a TV show. We're, you know, and the and I and I've said this on this podcast many times. There was times where I wanted to drop her off ten miles from the starting spot because that's what I was gonna. Then have you she say. could run all that energy out because she gets she gets so jacked up and she's shaking with excitement, you know, and it's like. You know, like she is flying out of the starting gate, ripping back and forth. And then, you know, eventually the birds are flushing out of range. Nobody's happy with that. Right. We got off topic here. Well, we kind of did, but we didn't. There's a lot of people I bet you out there that are like, you know what I got to do? I got to drop my dog off five miles before the place on a gravel road and let the dog run all the way there. And then it it starts thinking. Mm -hmm. Well, my first. I hung with somebody who did that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago. Years ago, 20 years ago. Well, we're kind of talking about that with Daisy. She's got to get out. She wants to burn off some steam, and she wants to find the first bird, and she wants to, you know, 
pile drive and flush it out in the next county. And then she comes back like, okay, I got that out of my system. Now let's go hunt. Yes. Well, it gets back to all the, so many, these building blocks that we like to talk about, they can be not a two foot by two foot building block. They could be a one inch by one inch building block. Whenever you're trying, life is fast, right? And we're always in a hurry. So part of that I think is, human induced we're like oh we want to get to the birds or oh we want to get it off the chain gang oh we want to get it off the truck let's go let's go let's go well, how about if we all slow down a bit and get the dog calm again stand still or sit still and get the get them focused on what the goal or the objective is and that is the next step go with me not go off by yourself and go <laughs> find a bird and punch it out and so um there are just be aware of of how you are leading up to a hunt. Yeah, because we get excited. That transfers over to a dog. Plus, a lot of times you got three, four other dogs. If you're hunting with a few buddies, those dogs are all sniffing butts, scratches, whatever. They get that out of their system, you know, and they're jumping around. And depending on the dog, you know, there's always somebody in the group that has a dog that's really jacked up more than the others and it seems to like elevate things i, I don't know that, that's my experience so, would you agree yes absolutely you know there and i'll just uh, pick on you for a second <laughs> so we're everybody in, we're, does we're in we're this is uh, maybe our second hunt i think we're in oklahoma and uh i'm getting boone off the truck and travis just has this thing about boone I love that dog. Can we go boondogging? I've but never I, had a bad hunt with him. And I remember, I know you're going to say, dang it. Yeah, so I did I open this. The, I, I, open I am the, sorry. I, I open the kennel door off the, off the rig. Yep. He steps out. I got to get the uh, GPS collar on there and, and get him ready to focus. And what does Travis do? But comes over and goes, oh, boondog. Oh, we're going boondogging. Oh, boy. And then, <laughs> and then rubs his face, scratches his ears, and... Get some, and so he starts we're prancing dancing. around. Yeah, <laughs> the two of you are dancing on the rear end of my truck, and I'm going, um, "All right, I got to let this play out because now his mind's, well, the dog and Travis's mind are somewhere else." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" This is, anyway, that that so that's part of it. So I, if you know, I get in a routine. You very much do, and it so works. The well dog though. knows, and yeah. that's the other thing. Let's talking about puppy development. Get him in a routine. Let them out of the let them outside at the same time. Feed them at the same time. You know, dogs like one. They like a leader. They got to have a leader. They're going to take charge. Uh, if you're not going to step up and be a true leader, maybe you shouldn't have a dog. One, two. The dog wants to survive, so it just blows you off and goes. Well, you know, I, th I think I'm allowed to say this: sex, food. And safety. Mm -hmm. That's what dogs think of. Those three things. That's the only thing on their mind. If you can provide safety and food for them and leadership and some discipline, they're like, um, hey, Larry, we're gone. You know? <laughs> right. So that, there's, that, that can be one of the breakdowns right there. So, yeah. yeah. 
There are a few places that you can buy products to process and prepare your meat. There are not a lot of places that you can buy those products and learn how to use them from experts. Walton's is that place. They have everything, and I mean everything, for your cooking and wild game processing needs. Plus, they have experts on staff to help you learn how to use those products to get the best results. John Tremblay hosts their Meatgistics podcast, live stream, and chats, which are interactive learning tools for the meat processing community. If you have questions, John and his team have the answers. From sausage making to smoking, recipes to seasonings, and so much more. Walton's products ship the same day you order. They have over 5,000 items in stock. From grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, smokers, vacuum sealers, and anything else you can imagine. Order the same seasonings and supplies that professionals use from the best name in the wild game processing industry. Walton's. They have everything but the meat. Aluma Trailers. They've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say Aluma trailers tow gear like a dream, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumakln.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. For everything that gets you outdoors, Aluma Trailers will help you get there. Well, okay, so we 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 keep getting it. There's so many stories. That's the thing. Like when the three of us are together, we have almost an unlimited amount of stories, and we could go on and on and on for days. Ben, you got one? No, no. Okay. no I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I was gonna maybe try to keep us go headed back to the <laughs> right, track. Right, right, but, right. But but that like that was a good point. Like that's where everything starts like not only when you're going hunting like that routine like that learning this system this this style of training like that was the biggest thing so i think it'd be interesting george and i mean you can explain it more elegantly than probably travis and i can but you know starting at that square one like what's your routine getting a dog ready for training because i think like that's what i didn't know i was the same way like all right, let's go training. Like, come on, I'm excited. Like, mm-hmm. we've got birds. This will be great. But I think that's a, a big thing for, you know, with a puppy or a first-time trainer or, hell, a third-time trainer. Right, yeah. I mean, there's... Or fifth. Yeah, I mean, how yeah. many dogs do you have, Ben? Yeah, well, I've got... This is four. Yeah. And the first two, you know, they're not to Amos's level, and Amos is a year old. So let's let's try to make sense of this, George. There's, I will tr- we'll try not to get sidetracked. Let's make sense of this. Where do we begin? Well, okay. One, I think you begin with if. Well, let's just go if you've never had a dog and now he, he, you want to, and, and let's not go far back as like you've never hunted before. So you're trying to figure out hunting. You are a hunter, and now you've seen someone with some good dogs or your buddies always had the dog. And now you're like, you know what? I'm in a position in life where I can do this. I want to get my own dog. One, I would get some books and, you know, read something about animal behavior because it's all about animal behavior. It's not about dog. It it is about dog training, but so much of it is understanding animal behavior and what they expect from you. Just like I said, you need to be a leader. They're looking to you at an eight-week-old puppy 
okay, I guess you're the one in charge now because I don't know where mom went. Mm-hmm. And um, and then... Can you, I stop you yeah, right there? Yeah. I had Sonny Picars on last summer. Uh, great, great information that he also um, said. But this is an important, important piece of information. People think that their dogs are part of the family. And a lot of that leads to um, them treating them like they're not a canine. But the reality is, yes, they can be part of your family, but they are still a canine and they have to understand what their role is in this world, in your family. And it doesn't mean necessarily that they're treated like a human being because that's not how the canine world works. It just doesn't. And if, if you don't treat them like a dog, you kind of can set yourself up for a lot of failures and a lot of stress and a lot of disappointment. There are, Travis, you nailed it right on the head. They are not a human. Did you hear me? They are not a human. They are a canine and they have canine behaviors and they expect um, to be treated like a dog. They, they expect you to rise to their to their occasion because in the wild, if you, there's no one out there and they're, they're, they're a nano sliver from being a wolf, right? Right. And there's an alpha wolf in every pack. Correct. Which should be whoever's in charge at the, in the house, in the home. And the second we start treating them like, like little kids and all that is when we get in trouble. And that's when dogs start biting people. That's when they start tearing a couch apart. Um, the best line I've ever heard, and people say it all the time, they are, um, um, what's it called when they miss their, when they, uh, oh my gosh. When Sound you can't, it out, George. When you can't, <laughs> when you can't leave them at home alone. <clears throat> uh, so, um, oh my gosh. You know, you leave a dog at home and everyone's like, oh, I can't leave my dog at home because it tears Separation anxiety. Thank Separation you. Separation anxiety. See, I don't even know it because I think it's a crock. There is no such thing as separate. Sorry. There can be. It's man-made. It's, sorry, human-made. It can be a man. It can be a woman. It can be yeah. a kid. Yeah. We create separation anxiety. The dog, the puppy does not come out with separation anxiety. It just does not exist. We baby it. We, it's all human induced, 100%. Call me up if you want to call me a liar. We could probably spend another hour talking about this part of it too. That's, that's why this conversation is so difficult. There's so many ways that we can go with this, Ben. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard, right? Because I mean, talk about the, the Huntsmith, Rick and Ronnie Smith seminar. Like this is dang near well two days but really three days to cover all of this at a surface level and that's 12 hour days right yep uh so so uh, we were talking about what do you what do you do you get a book you get figure something out okay what i mean by that is find you know um ronnie smith and Susanna smith put together a great book it's it's an incredible um piece of reference and it's called um training bird dogs right? yeah training bird dogs with uh ronnie smith kennels and get you know pheasant fest is coming up next week mm-hmm. uh, i know the smiths will be there i'm sure ronnie and Susanna will have these books there it's an incredible book 
and reference point. And, and um, you know, just so everyone knows, we train the Hunt-Smith method that was developed by Delmar Smith, uh, Tom Smith, uh, Rick Smith, Ronnie Smith. That's what I do. Um, there's other great – George Hickok is a great, incredible dog trainer. He has seminars out there. Um, find a seminar and go learn the fundamentals. Because mm-hmm. if, if you don't have the fundamentals down, again, and, and if you haven't heard that, we've said it a lot now on this podcast, if you don't start there, and the fundamentals are, again, you've got a, you got a spot for the dog. You, gotta have, you have to have a crate. Dog needs to be in a crate. I don't care if it's in the house, um, but it needs its, it's own their, space. It's their safe place. It is their safe place. Don't ever get upset and go, well, you're going to go to, you know, this isn't go to your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Go stand in a corner. This is their safe place. When we're going to have supper, you need to go in your dog crate and take It's their den. It's what foxes do. It's what coyotes do. It's what wolves do. They den up. That's where the children in the canine world are supposed to be until we bring food to them and feed them. So give them a safe place like that. And then um, am I getting off track? I don't think so, but. Anyway. No, I think we're we're talking a lot of the 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 basics and and trying to understand why this foundation is so important. Um, so I think uh, it, it there there are so many nuances to it that it's hard to just keep going on one one spot. Um, but I I want you to so go for, back to you know so where for, did we even leave off? Well, let's just go to so they got a safe spot. Yep. Here I have my I have my own kennel got dog runs and all that and they can go outside and they're inside you know they got the pretty nice here they got a heated and air-conditioned dog runs and then they go outside in the outside world anyway they go from that to a chain gang to a length of chain that teaches them to just be calm it's not a it's not a run it's not a cable between two trees and they can run up and down and drive themselves stir crazy it is a chain that's 18 inches long, and it's tied to another chain on the ground. This winter, I had to put a anchor in my concrete kennel in here, and but it just teaches the dog to. From there, I can. Ben stubbed his toe on that, by the way. Ouch! That I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> anyway, the, the from, chain gang is not a pointing dog tool. It's an all dog. It's a Chihuahua all, yes. to a Saint Bernard. Yes, it's about standing or sitting still. And and go ahead. I was just gonna say, explain, explain why that's so important versus just putting a dog on a leash or giving it free rein or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So again, it's you know some other train. Oh, you know, my gosh, we live in Minnesota, and I forgot to mention a friend of mine, Tom Dawkin. Yeah. I mean, if you got a. I mean, there's a legendary legend. Uh, my gosh. Yeah. One I mean, the, he trains a lot of different breeds. He but does, yeah. but he's, I would say Tom's most notable for his retrieving, you know, mm-hmm. labs and golden, whatever yep. retrievers. So sorry, Tom, I didn't mean to leave you off the list of, of the best. Anyway, yeah. um, I would say everybody out there has some, some place. Like I believe Tom Dawkin uses a place board. So, you set the dog. You give the dog a place. It's a lot of times it's elevated, just four inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. You bring the dog to that spot. The puppy. It, it 
we're talking, you can do this with eight week old pups. Everyone asks, when do I start? I go, the second you pick it up from your breeder, <laughs> this, the dog doesn't, it can ride. I, I mean, Rip rode almost all the way home on my lap from Oklahoma. That was like a 14 hour ride back. So what? Yeah, he did. Believe it the or not. Cold heart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You softy. He did, but I did have a kennel in the back of the truck. And so when he was, you're blushing even. Yeah, I am. I'm getting red because I can't believe I admitted that. But then he what? put it went in his kennel. But anyway, everything you've get... told me to this point, I, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. <laughs> so, whichever whichever system you decide to go with, everyone's going to talk about a spot, and mm -hmm. I'm let me just do what I do. Talk about what I do, and that is the chain gang. So it's a length of chain. Yep. It's it's. Uh, Anchored, 18 inches. It's anchored at, at so I have, a, let's just go with a four-dog chain gang. It's anchored on each end. This chain runs like, I don't know, whatever, 20 yards. And they're six feet apart. There's a 18-inch chain that comes up off of that with a, with a clasp that I can put to their D-ring on their collar. They are taken from the kennel with their dog box, out to the chain, put on the chain, and observe. I'll, I don't leave them unobserved. They're not out there all day. They're, no, I'm watching them kind of around the corner, see what they're doing. You know, are they digging a hole? Or are they jumping around? And you want them to, that's kind of where they see birds fly by and the butterflies fly by and all the smells. And But they can't move but 18 inches, basically. And what that's teaching them is they it's on their collar. So now imagine when we go to put the leash on them, that when I touch the leash when i pull on the leash the chain has been pulling the dog if it's jumping around has felt that sensation i'll call it on a you know, point of contact on its neck now when i i can transfer that point of contact to the leash when i take them off that chain and uh to see it is to believing you know it's hard to <laughs> it's interesting it's, you know it's really hard to i think it's Hard to explain, I guess. It is hard. To, yeah, that's that's why a lot of this conversation maybe ben is. Can add to this here. Yeah, it, it is difficult to explain it. Um, but what, what I find interesting is, you know, I've watched you sit there and watch a dog, mine, other people's dogs, and you say, "Hold on, just wait. Just going to do this." And then, like, you say, "Give it fifteen seconds," and then all of a sudden, the dog rolls over and does this like every you I don't know how you can predict it maybe you've seen hundreds of dogs on on the chain gang but they all go through this or maybe they don't all but a lot of them do and then and it it looks like they're just uncomfortable and they're working through it and then Travis they, let me cut you off yeah they all do it they all do it yes and they all are going to test you and it's and it's you can sit there after watching and I've watched hundreds of dogs because I've been to 20 plus years of Huntsmith seminars <laughs> with puppies to 10 year old dogs on the chain gang or out in the field. And you can just sit there and you listen to Rick or Ronnie and it's like, or Sonny P cars. And it's like, the dog's going to do this. The puppy's going to do that. And about 15 seconds later, you're like, Oh my gosh, it did it. You know, mm -hmm. whatever it is lays down, rolls over, doesn't want to go with us, going to pout, you know, we walk up to it on a chain gang because the first part, we got to get the dog off the chain, right? Mm -hmm. The dog has to either sit still or stand still. If the dog doesn't sit still or stand still, and I'm, I had a rip in here in the wintertime. No one's going to believe me. You guys will because you've seen it. He's 
9, 10, 11 weeks old, he doesn't get off the chain until he's standing still. He's an English pointer. He's got to stand up and stand still. And you want me how, how many, you know, it doesn't happen in five seconds. <laughs> how many of those course lights did it take to wait you know, for no. him to stand still? I mean, you can sit there and stare at a pup or a dog and just like, would you please just, oh, I just want you to do a stand still. And you just get, and you walk, you, you just imagine everybody, the dog's on the chain and you, you're about five feet or 10 feet away and you walk towards them. And if they were laying down, they're supposed to stand up. Now you approach them a little closer, and now they start going around in a circle on the chain, right? Because they want to—they're like—they're excited to see you, or they're jumping up and down. And now you just stop, and now you just stare at them, and and everyone's like, "What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm letting the dog teach itself." You had—that's the other thing. So many people, and we—you know—it's like, "Well, I want to get my dog to the birds." Well, have you let the dog figure out other things in life yet? So on that chain, you're giving the dog an opportunity to teach itself and learn. So many times we want to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, like, I don't want to say make, but a lot of people say, well, I'm going to make my dog go retrieve that bumper. How about we, you know, teach the dog so much of this is letting the dog figure some stuff out on its own. And then we're, we're there to teach. We're not there to make. The second you say, well, I'm going to make this dog do something. Well, you got the wrong vocabulary and you got the wrong attitude right there. Yeah. So at that point on the, on the chain gang, you got the dog sit still. There's certain cues that you're looking for blinking kind of, uh, like soft, getting soft eyes. Soft you call eyes it. we call it. Yeah. yeah soft eyes. Um, and licking. licking. What do those and, signs mean? Licking and swallowing. So, and yawning and, and a yawn. You know, it's it's ten thirty in the morning, and we've been doing something. The dogs had free time to run around. My dogs get lots of free time; they can run around. I don't want everyone to think, "Well, gee, he just keeps them in the kennel, and they go out to chain gang, and then he goes and does drills, and then they got to go back on the chain gang." They get so much free time because you got to keep them loose. Like fifteen seconds a day, free time. Twenty on a good day, <laughs> maybe twenty. No, yeah. Um, so. When, you, when you're approaching the dog, let's just say we're just trying to get it off the chain because that's, that's one of the biggest challenges, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When I was teaching you, I'm yeah. like, you got to back away. What? I just want to get this lead on her. Mm -hmm. No, she's got to stand still. And until, you know, they'll stand there and they'll prance around and all of a sudden, boom, they stop. And now they're looking right at you. And they're like, and you're like, okay, we got it. And you take a step forward and they prance around a little bit more. So you back up. And then they're sitting there staring at you. You'll see that. Let's just go with really easy cue you can see. They yawn. They take a big yawn, and you're like, well, you just slept for like seven hours. You're not tired. That is a cue saying, all right, I think I'm buying in. I think I understand what you want. If they swallow, if they lick their lips, you just didn't feed them a hamburger. So there's, you know, but those are the, those are little cues, and they're telling you, I'm learning. I am figuring out what you want me to do. And all of a sudden, it's just like the, the light bulb goes on and they stand still and you walk up and you put a lead on them and they're not bouncing around and they're not jumping around. And then you can take the chain off and they're still standing there. It's everything builds from there. Everyone, everything builds from there. And I've got, I want to address something too. Uh, when you put you got a, a bone to pick with George, yeah, well, always, <laughs> but, uh, 
when you put a dog on a chain and let's just say somebody listening here goes and gets a chain gang or a stakeout and they put this dog on it and I, w- I don't want to say it looks traumatic, but it's more traumatic for the person, right? Like those dogs will pitch a fit, which like every dog does it. Like that's good, right? You're getting the resistance out of it. But, you know, I think I think George told me this. It was you have a dog on a, you know, you have a dog in the crate or on a leash and they're always pitching a fit. They're just constantly misbehaving. They're anxious. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's expected of them. You put them on a chain and yeah, it's going to whatever for two, three hours, maybe, well, probably not. Well, yeah, over the course of it for Some sure. can be that long. Yeah. But then all right, they realize I can't do anything and you can just see it come out of them, right? Like the resistance, they're calm, they're happy. So instead of going for the whole life of this dog, being neurotic, nervous, you know, jumping on you, like we're talking years, hundreds of hours, or you spend three hours and, or whatever, five hours, however long it takes, and you've got a happy dog. So you can't tell me that 10 years of being nervous, et cetera, isn't worth three hours on five hours on the chain gang. So you're going to have a happier dog in the long run, even though that dog is, I mean, it's traumatic experience for you for a lot of the times watching that dog struggle and fight. Yeah. And let's, I'm just going to correct you on one fight is anxious, uh, unsure, right? Um, like why am why am I here? I want to be with you over there. I want to go smell all the, I want to smell the roses. You know, I want to go run around. Well, right now we're just going to, we're learning about being calm. I hope everyone's picking that up. Be calm. So, um, yeah, my, okay. So and you're have, calm during this whole thing. Oh my gosh. You, you have, have to no, be, you have no emotion. Zero attached emotion. To it. Yep. Yep. Just think the first time you put a collar Okay, let's go back. Everyone's people who listen probably have a puppy. You have that puppy, and the first time you put a collar on him, and I'm talking eight week old pup, put the collar on. What, is it, what does he do? He probably rolls around. He's probably like, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. Everything new. They're like, "Wait, well, what are you doing to me?" And every time you so you put a collar on, that's new. That's strange. They kind of dance around. Now we put a leash on him. Now we're we're putting restrictions on them. What do they want to do? They want to bite at the leash. They want to do it. So that's what we're talking about. So now you put them on a chain and they want to be with you. They're going to jump around. They might flop around. They might lay down. They might bark at you. They're going to whine. They're going to do all these things that dogs do, that canines do. We need to maintain our com- composure. You don't have highs and lows. It's the hardest thing about dog training is not put human emotion into it. The second you put human emotion into it, you've lost You've lost it. You can't get angry. I sh- let me take that back. You can have human emotion, happy emotions. You know, you can, there's nothing wrong with, hey, good job, Fido. You know, but if you get upset, you better stop and just walk Restart. away. Restart. Yeah. Don't come home from work on a bad day and go, you know what? I'm going to go get two hours of dog training in. It's not going to work. I've got a funny story while you were there. Um, the first time I really saw that was with, Sonny, when we went over to his place and we got out to the kennel and he's just like, all right, I, I need a second to get ready. And I was like, Hmm, like you're kind of, that's weird. Right. 
but like he was dead serious. I was like, hmm. And you could just see his demeanor shift from happy-go-lucky laughing to just stone cold, just no emotion, put his sunglasses on, right? And it was like, wow, okay, like this is not a joke. It's just, it's you've got to do it. Yeah, when you're dealing with Sonny Picars, by the way, he owns Hay Creek Kennels and great friend of mine, he and uh, Shannon Picars own the kennel uh, and they are true professionals. When you have a kennel with, I mean, they might have 40 plus dogs there. You can go in that kennel and when Sonny Picars or Shannon Picars walks in that kennel or their, their girls, uh, the dogs, if there's any noise, they immediately go, whoop. We better not be talking. We better focus on because the the boss is here, and we're fixing to go get something done. And if they're not focused, they don't get to go have fun with the birds and do all this stuff. And you know, go on the we we use a lot of um, of uh, tables and um, agility dog stuff now. The agility dog world gives a dog a chance to learn, teach itself experience new things, get up off the ground. You know, if you got one of those ramps and you get mm -hmm. them four feet off the ground, their mindset changes. They're like, well, this is different. The more different things you can give a pup and an opportunity to learn, you're just going to make their brain just expand. And all of a sudden and it's they like, love it too. Like, oh the, my. like our dogs tails are up. Like they're like, let's do this. They're, yeah. they're pumped. They go from the let, let's, I would, I would say we'll leave the chain gang topic. And by saying, Google it and see it uh, to you, understand it in a little bit different light than what we can explain. Yep, probably you can go on and watch videos or read about it on Huntsmith.com. Perfect, perfect. Go to Huntsmith.com. You can see how a chain gang gets set up. You can see a command lead. You can see how to um, uh, check cord. You can see how to put a pup in and out of a crate. Everything. Uh, Rick Smith and Ronnie Smith are very open. And so go to huntsmith.com and you can watch their videos and so whatnot. So much good information so to let see. Let me there. just, yeah. one last thing about the chain gang. Yep. The chain gang, uh, or let's just, or a crate, is like a time card. Your first job, by the hour, you walk in. You got to go over there, back in my day anyway. I don't know how they do it now. They probably sign on a computer, but there was an actual box, a green box and a card, and you went, slipped your card in there, and it chunk, chunk, stamped your card with the time, and then you put it back in your name slot. And then when you left, you did the same thing, right? That chain gang to me, and I was going to say this. So Rip is four months old. My oldest dog is 10 years old. The four-month-old... The four-year-old, the nine-year-old, and the ten-year-old go to the chain every day. Every day. When before we go hunt, they're on the chain. When the three of us were in Montana and we were done with the hunt and we were coming back to chill out and have lunch, they weren't sitting in their dog boxes. It was a nice day out. We put out a chain gang, put all the dogs out there. They weren't jumping around. They weren't carrying on. They weren't barking. They all they all looked at each other, and the chain went, well, that was a fun day, wasn't it, yeah. guys and gals? And they all laid down. It, they, it, it's funny to me, too, that, you know, the, the, the dogs that have done it before, they're like, all right, we're just going to chill here for a little bit. And then you get a new guy in. <laughs> it's almost like, they're, oh, he's not done this before. Oh, so let's, so again, 
my chain actually holds, uh, I think I can put eight dogs out there, right? And so, so you put my dogs out on the chain. They're going to go out there and they're going to stand there and go, uh, are we up? Oh, we're not up. They're going to lay down immediately and chill out, not bark, not jump around. They're going to go, I got to have all my energy because dad's going to, the boss is going to make us do something and we're going to have to do it. Yeah, we're going to work. Then I bring in a training dog and I put the dog, the pauper dog out there and it's jumping around, right? Just like you said, Travis, you will see tenured dogs stand up, look, all look down the chain at the newbie (laughs) And it's like, you know, I played hockey all my life. It's like you get on a new team, whatever, you made the team, and all of a sudden someone's just doing dumb stuff on the ice, and the whole bench does what? They all look down there and you're like, hey, Larry. Sorry if your name's Larry. I'm not really picking out Larry. I could say Phil, but you all look down there like, dude, um, don't do that anymore. My dogs will stand up, look down the chain, step on because this chain can come up and, and bounce. So they're getting bounced a little bit, and they're – their little 18-inch chains tugging on their neck, they all look down the chain gang and like, um, if I could reach you. <laughs> and again, it's <laughs> right. the canine mentality, right? right? Get in yeah, line. They're a pack. Yeah. If they're not all in line together, wolves aren't going to catch a deer. Coyotes aren't going to catch, you know, stuff. So anyway, I just wanted to make that the chain gang, the, There's there's got to be something you have, a place board, whatever you're going to do. That's where you take your dog to start the day mm-hmm. or to start the training or to start a hunt. And that's where you bring him back to to finish it. It's this, it, it You're get, checking. You, you said this. You check in. You check out. Yep. You got it. Nutrisource Pet Foods just launched a new product that can give our active hunting dogs a big boost when they need it most. It's called Kombucha. Nutrisource Kombucha, inspired, of course, by Kombucha is a savory, meaty bone broth topper that's packed with activated postbiotics from a fermentation product that thrives in the gut to promote a healthy gut ecosystem for digestion support. That's a mouthful. But what it means for us bird dog owners is that we now have a healthy topper to pour over our dog's food if they're ever stressed or won't eat while on a long hunting trip. Kampucha is offered in three flavors, turkey, beef, and chicken, and comes in a 12-ounce pouch. Nutrisource high-performance dog foods provide exceptional, healthy nutrition for active dogs of every breed, just like my dog, Daisy. Now they have a topper that gives our four-legged hunters another edge when they need it the most. Check out their full lineup of dog foods at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I've been talking about the Onyx Hunt app since we started producing this show, and that's simply because I use it on every single hunt. Their app tells me everything that I need to know about the lands that I want to hunt and the lands that I can legally hunt on. The Onyx Hunt app shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It also tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state land, federal lands, walk-in access properties, etc. The app also has new features this year that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. If you hunt grouse in the north woods, there's a timber cut layer to help you find ideal habitat. If you're planning to hunt North Dakota this year, then there's a very important layer that has been added to the app that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the tools Onyx Maps give us. And these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps 
always help you to know where you stand. So I'm seeing a table, two tables actually, and uh, let's see, how would Ben, how do you describe that setup back there? The plank. The plank, yes. So these are common training tools for puppies, you know, to elevate them to, you know, I've seen a lot of different trainers use similar elevated surfaces. Um, Again, we're not on birds yet. You know, these are different tools for you to teach. How do you use this for a puppy? The, okay, the, the tables. First, okay, other than the other than the chain gang, build yourself a table, a platform. And remember, I'm starting to work pups. They're eight weeks old right away. When do you start? Right away. So my tables are like, I don't know what they are, 27 inches, 26 inches off the ground. And what that does, now I, now I don't have to bend over. The pup is at my level. And, and, and again, these tables are 28 by 30, something like that. So the puppy can move around on them. But what I use that table for, from the day they get come home, I put them up there, and, and this is, comes from horse training. And, again, the Smiths taught me this. It's sacking. It's called sacking the, the dog out, sacking the pup out. When you get a horse, the, sack, the sacking out comes from you get a horse, you tie it to a post, can't move around that much we're taking a burlap sack and we're just rubbing the horse down we're getting the horse ready to accept a saddle and accept us touching it well the same thing here we don't have a burlap we don't we're talking about a little puppy here we don't need a burlap sack is your hands correct very good your burlap sack is my hands so it's on that table i can i can i can pet the dog's shoulders and i'm talking very gentle we're just Putting our hands on the dog and not having it jump around. Would you call it calming touch, George? A calming touch. You got it. <sighs> yeah. And from we make a you, good team. Yeah. What you? So what you're getting out of this is is we're steadying the dog on this elevated table because it's a puppy. It doesn't want to generally jump off, fall off, jump off. Yeah. And if it falls off or jumps off, it's not a big deal. We just go get them and put them back up there. But. I'm teaching a pup to either sit still or stand still on that. Again, eight weeks old, and from there on, I still put my 10-year-old dogs up there, and I sack them out. I trim their toenails up there. I check their teeth. I check their ears. I do, um, yeah, I do all the dog maintenance on that table. I'm not bent. I don't have to bend over to, you know, strain my back, and the dogs learn that that is another place that I must stand or sit still. Also, that the calming touch, when you're able to do that with a puppy so early on in their life, that stays with them for the rest of their life. So if you have a dog that gets hurt out in the field, you know, and you've never been able to touch your dog, hold their legs, clip their toenails, do anything to them without them pulling away, um, you're going to be regretting that the time when you need to operate or be able to work with your dog. And, you, you know, I learned that early on too. And now, I mean, I, I stitched my own dog up and people are like, what? I can't get my dog to sit still. And like, well, you obviously didn't uh, spend any time calmly touching your dog. Right. Sack. And yeah, sacking the dog, I guess. Right. Is, so, yeah. Um, do you want to tell him or you want me to tell him? Ben Ben just gave me a little, you know, hey, remember this. So when they're up there, let's go with a pointing dog. They we want them to stand. Everyone comes over to my comes over to the farms like, Hey, uh, Boone, sit. Sit. And I'm like, uh, my dogs don't sit, they're pointers. Okay? Now, 
I got Minnie, my cocker. I go, now tell her to sit. And you look, you can just look at her. And if you're just standing still, she's going to come over to you and sit down right in front of you. Because she knows <laughs> if everyone's standing still, her job is to come near you and sit down. My pointers are come over to us and stand still next to us. So anyway, we go back to the table. We got this puppy. Pointer, standing on all four legs, standing up, looking proud. As a pup at eight weeks old, just think how light they are. I can pick up my pup, one hand under the chest. Sorry, I hope I'm close enough to the microphone. Yeah. Stand uh, one hand in, in front of the chest, one hand uh, between the rear legs, and I can set them down. They're standing. So gently set them on their feet. If they go to fuss around and dance around, I simply pick them up like an inch. Mm-hmm. This is actually and, really cute to watch too. Like when you do it with little puppies, I watch yeah. the, the videos of it. It's like, yeah, you're just, you're just massaging their back, you know, rubbing their legs a little bit. And then, you know, you pick them up, like you said. And if they move, you pick them up. And then as soon as they stand still, then you can move forward. Yeah. And you don't, I mean, <clears throat> George, you've got the table, but you don't even need a table. Like sitting in, you know, sitting in a chair like we're sitting in here at your kitchen table and you can use your legs as essentially that table. So your, you know, front legs are on your left leg or whatever, back legs are on your right leg and you pick them up, put them down just like that. Yeah. Coolers are yeah, pretty okay. easy. Uh, Most people have a, you know, a large so, cooler that well, works. I went to Kansas uh, and I don't know, Rip was, doesn't matter, 12 weeks old. Well, I get stuck in a blizzard. And I can't go anywhere. I'm in my hotel room for like more than 24 hours staring out the window like, wow, I can't go anywhere. And I get this puppy. So I had a cooler with all my lunch meat and all that in there. Time to train. I was sitting there sacking them out on top of the cooler. And uh, and you do it, like you said, Ben, you can do it anywhere. And, and this is the beginning of that foundation of just stand still and be calm. When I, Travis, you said, you know, you stitch your dog up. I've unfortunately had to stitch my dogs up and other people's dogs. I met my great friend, Jonathan Pfeiffer down in Oklahoma because I stitched his dog up. But anyway, I take my dogs to the vet and I'm like, well, I'll put them up on the table. Oh, we got them. I just, let me just put them up on your table. Most vets have an elevated table. This is what we're talking about. Why does, why does the vet office have an elevated table? So they're looking at the dog at eye level and they're not bent over, Right. So we put them up on the table, and my dogs just stand there because they're used to the table in the kennel. And they stand there like a stone statue. And, the, like, new te- technicians look at the vet, and the vet just starts laughing. My vet I've had for 10 years. She's awesome um, up in Cottonwood, Minnesota. Anyway, uh, she just gets a grin on her face like the technician's going to go, what in the world? Because the last dog was a pile of, you know, jumping, jump, uh, jumping beans. And and they can give the shots. They can do everything. And my dogs just stand there, or, or many sits stand sits there. And they're like, "Holy cow!" And everyone around. And 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 again, it goes. You want to go run birds? Get them to do this first, and you'll be amazed at what happens. Right? Could we? Can we jump to the day really quick? <clears throat> yeah. Could we have I, gotten? We've anything? been talking. I'm. <laughs> we were like over an hour into this conversation, and that's where I struggled. Like, yeah. there's too much information to try it's, to. It's just difficult to try to build it. It. I'm hoping that there's useful information people are taking out of this because it's, I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've watched dogs. Everything you're saying is a hundred percent true. And I know people that have trained dogs their whole life would agree. I don't know how you could disagree with anything that you're explaining here, but yes, let's get to today, George. 
Well, I just want, you know, you've worked your tail off with Daisy. Ben has worked his tail off with Amos. I've obviously worked my tail off with my dogs, but now I get this pup. And we do this thing with Rip as a four-month-old pup, and we're all like, wow, that worked. Let's go to the next thing. Wow, that worked. Well, it worked, and it worked with Daisy, and it worked with Amos. All the Amos and Daisy are advanced, and they're you know we're doing advanced stuff, getting them to stand still, to a backing dog, to a gun going off, the bird you know the bird flying, the gun going off, and they are standing there, folks, like a million bucks. Yes, all this is happening. Birds are circling, flying oh back over Oh my gosh, the them. pigeons are like, oh. I'm going to come back and see. We, I mean, they're literally like strafing us, especially here at the farm. Because uh, before we left the farm, then we went up to a piece of property where we had a couple uh, hundred, you know, two sections to run on around here to do yard work. I don't know. We had 15 or 21 pigeons flying over our heads. And all of a sudden, we'd shoot the gun, and three would come back off the top of the silo and die bomb us. And the dogs were like, Wait, I, a couple Can't times move. I said, where did that bird come from? Oh, it came from, okay, yeah. whatever. But my point is, none of that happens. None of today happens at all. Did I say that strongly enough? Without all the what? Foundation work that you two put into your dogs. It, it just, it, it makes me smile. I mean, today... To spend as many hours as we did out there, and uh, folks, we had three dogs, and when there was a lot of downtime, a lot put on the chain gang. What, a lot was of a, talking between the three of us after each run that we would do. Eat, we would just say, you know, things that I experienced, Ben would experience. What would you have done there? What should we have done there? And just we're all working together for the same goal. Right. We're all we're all on the same page. We're all doing Huntsmith. Um. So if you can find some friends that are on the same page, whether you or the three of us are hunting together, dog training together, or just sitting around, I don't know, watching the wild game, we're all like, oh, did you see that? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, we're all lockstep, which was awesome. Yeah. And it took it to do nine hours of dog training a day. And, and like you said, Travis, we'd go run. Dogs learning threes and sevens. We were running uh, reps of three. We have three dogs. One of us would get birds. Ben would go grab birds. I would get on the four-wheeler and, and go move the backing dog, or you would get some birds and go set traps. And so we were a well-oiled machine. And again, we were bra- after we'd run a brace, or not a brace, we'd run a dog. We'd put him back on the chain gang, and then we'd break it down. Okay, what did you guys observe? What did, what did we do? What, what did the dog do right? What, did, what could we have done differently? And with the amount of foundation work and everything that was put into your pups, we really didn't have to critique like, well, that, I think everything, but one or two things didn't, well, I didn't expect that to happen. You know, it's like, wow, I think we knew that was going to happen. And everything went the right way. It's, It's exciting to watch. It's really fun to see the dog, like, just everything that you want, you know, Ben, everything that you want the dog to do. And, and there it is looking like a million bucks and there's a bird 20 feet in front of it. If that was a pheasant, you know, or a quail or a chucker or wherever you're hunting, you know, you're going to get that dog to repeat that again. And and so for me, it was a lot of repetition, but the backing thing was a big thing for me that, you know, we did a little bit last fall before hunting season or last summer, George, but Daisy hasn't had a lot of backing, but it's funny how quickly they learn. You know, and Amos too. It's like the first time 
you know, you, you're encouraging him to stop. And then after that, he's like, oh, no, I already know what I'm going to do here. And then by the third rep, you know, it, you just see the growth so quickly. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes the ambition on our part to do this. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, the, the big thing, too, is, like, when you were talking about, you know, us sitting and talking after we would do it, that's one of the big things is, like, to really have an analytical mind about it. Like, even when you're setting it up, right, you know, really thinking through the scenario, where the wind's going, mm-hmm. you know, trying to put yourself in the mind of that dog. So then that can happen, right? So three reps with no, you know... um, no pressure at all. The dog is, you know, walk up to the backing dog, stop, et cetera, stop to flush. Um, you know, just, just making sure that situation is set up perfectly. And then if it doesn't, you know, yeah, take five, 10 minutes and talk about it. Right. And try to figure out what happened, what you can change. Cause otherwise if you just, or let's roll to the next bird, right? Like you're teaching bad habits, bad behavior. Mm-hmm. It takes that much longer. Yeah, I think George has made this very clear from step one. If if the dog um, does something that it shouldn't be doing and you're not correcting it, you're going to have those issues for the rest of your dog's life. Right, George? Right. You're Yeah. Let's just, let's give them a... So if it's a little, little thing, you can nip it right off the bat and then they learn. I mean, dogs are incredibly smart creatures. Incredibly smart. It, you know... If you are going to get a pup and you are going to treat it, we talked about this part of the family, and we're going to oh, give it treats, and it's going to get up on the couch, and, it's, and we're going to talk it with baby talk and blah, 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 blah. You're not going to be successful. You're just not going to be successful. So there's going to be a point in time when the dog needs to be corrected. And we're not beating on dogs. We're not. We're just not doing that. I will say that when they got a rope attached to them, we might give them a little bit of a collar jerk. In other words, we we start off with, I touch the rope, and I'm literally tapping this this rope. It's hard to explain. Anyway, I can touch the rope with about as much pressure as I would hold a pen to write with. And my dog can feel that through that rope. And if I tap on it, it's to go with me. If I pull on it, it's to stand still. If they start getting, let's just call it, they're, they're getting out of their, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we got to give a little bit of a harder pull. Well, they know what the light pull was, so now they really know what the harder pull is. And we'll call it, a, I call it a collar jerk. You know, it's like, it's like if you tap someone on the shoulder, they're in a conversation with someone. This is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You're sitting around with buddies. Two buddies are in a conversation, but you want Ben's attention. And I tap Ben on the shoulder. We all do it. Tap him on the shoulder. Most of us will turn and look like, what? But if you're so engaged in a conversation, this is a distraction, right? Oh, my gosh, there's a bird out in front of us. You and Ben are in such a conversation. I tap Ben on the shoulder lightly and no response. So what's our... What's our next, what do we do next? We tap a little harder, right? Yeah. And that usually gets, oh, what? Oh, you need something? That's all we're talking about here. So it, you just, there's got to be some discipline. There's, you know, there's different deflection. 
and a caveat to that is um, the dog, in order to do like a collar jerk or anything, um, the dog has to know what it's supposed to be doing right. So anytime that you're frustrated, like this dog's not doing it right, generally it's not the dog's fault. It's your fault for not teach, you know, for for not showing it what to do. Like it's confused, right? We had an instance today though with Daisy where obviously she had been through the the backing drill. That's what it was today. And like you could tell she was trying to get away with something. And so that's the case where you would, you know, give a collar jerk. But otherwise, um, you just have to make sure that that dog knows what it's supposed to be doing before you just, you know, before you correct it really at all. If you go to correct a dog and the dog doesn't know what it's being corrected, what it's for. Being corrected for, yeah, sh- shame on you. You know, that's just, you have not done what? Foundation work. Yeah. You know? And when the, and <clears throat> we can go on for, again, oh hours gosh, on this, yeah. but I feel like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, can keep I just, going. Can I just, uh, something about in our dog training when some, one thing didn't go right. And we were working on, uh, just so everyone knows, when you're working on a backing dog drill, we're not worried about the bird. The, we're the, the dog we're working, and I have a mechanical backing dog. You push a button, and a silhouette of a dog comes up, and we're asking our dog that we're working to stop. The second it sees, it, sees the dog stand still, it should stop or sit down. So uh, there's no scent involved. That's just total sight. Then we worked in the scenario where, okay, we're going to work the dog into the wind, and have it sent the bird go on point. Well, we did one rep, so we do do everything in threes and sevens. Dogs learn in threes and sevens. Anyway, we get through one one set. We're going to the second bird, and everything worked great. We go to the third bird, and all of a sudden, dog's right on top of the trap. We know where the trap is, but the we, we the dog was not finding a scent cone, and then Ben's like. You know, we got this thing on the side of the hill. This is this is talking about breaking things down, being observant, being how you're, you know, how you have the training scenario set up. We all three stop. Ben, what are you talking about? Well, look at the wind swirling around this hill. What if we move the trap down 50 yards out in this saddle and the wind is coming right? The scent cone will be just perfect coming up through there. We move the trap 50 yards over. Boom. Spot on. We got points and we got, you know, everything worked out perfect. Yeah, 30 yards. We moved it down the hill and we got it in the right scent cone. So it's just whatever you're doing, just be observant of what's going on. And like Ben said, if the if you're not getting what you want from your dog, is it really the dog or is it you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love it all when I complain and I, it's maybe not complaining, but when I talk through things that I'm seeing or as we're working together, you always come back and say, I don't think it's Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, a hundred percent, it's me. hundred percent. Well, but I'm learning a lot. I, a lot. I, I'm out here by myself and, uh, training dogs. And I cannot tell you how many times I walk behind the silo just to sit there and go, okay, um, what did you do wrong, George? Not the dog. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you just got to break things down and analyze it. Hopefully there's a lot of information here on this conversation. You know, you, you talked about going to the uh, Smith, Huntsmith website. Uh, obviously a lot of information there too. Um, to really, if you want to learn more about how to work with your dog, strongly recommend um, if you don't have, if you don't have a George Lyle in your life, like Ben and I do, 
um, that you start there and then ask those questions. Go to seminars. I think that's a good way to maybe wrap this up tonight. Go to seminars if you have the chance just to watch. Maybe you're just observing, you know, and the value in watching how people work with dogs of any breed, um, you're going to learn a lot there. And then from there, you can ask questions. And then questions lead to answers. And then you just continue to learn. And that's what I'm doing right now is I'm learning, I'm learning. I'm, I, everywhere I go, since I've been doing television, everywhere I've gone, I'm observing. You know, I'm trying to produce the best show I can. And now, you know, trying to help Daisy be the best that she can possibly be. And always observing, taking in information, applying it, and the details matter. Yeah. And with the seminars, like, don't be afraid to, to go to them. Like, don't think everyone there is this super hardcore Elitist. elite dog handler. Like, I went there um, to Wisconsin, to the Wisconsin Rapids uh, Foundation Seminar, and, you know, I knew George, but I was nervous, right? Like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I was going to be, and heck, I, I spend a lot of time hunting, spend a lot of time with dogs, and I was nervous going there. And intimidated. Every, yeah. Intimidated. Like I don't know the system that well and, and went there and it was a fantastic experience. Everyone was wildly helpful. They truly want to see your dog succeed. And, and so if you're, if you have any hesitation, you're like, Oh, I don't know, just do it. it it'll be a great experience. You'll meet a ton of, I mean, lifelong friends. So. Yeah. Let me add to your comments there, Ben. It's, it um, it's about you. You don't have you could you could sign up for a seminar and not have a dog. I'm gonna have four dogs there. All my friends, uh, there are so many mentors there, and we all want everyone to succeed. It's about everyone succeeding. <clears throat> and if you go to a seminar, in my personal opinion, if you go to a seminar and it's about the dog, well, I'm gonna tell you that. And again, like we said, we're not no one's an expert. Nobody's an expert. Everyone's always learning. Rick Smith would tell you, I'm still learning, you know, and he's been dog trained since he was born <laughs> and he's not a spring chicken anymore. Sorry, Rick. Anyway, <laughs> it, the seminars are about the person. They're for you. So you can come there with a puppy. And if you want to run a, an experienced dog, everyone has dogs there. You can run. So, so it, you don't have to have a dog. You don't have to have a dog at a certain age. You can be there with a pup. You can be there with a six-month-old pup. You can be there with a four-year-old dog. It doesn't matter. It's it's about you and, and, and getting some more knowledge about what you want to get out of teaching your dog, helping your dog. Yep. And I think we'll close it with this, that the the more time that you're able to spend with your dog, the better your bond, the, the, the better – overall experience you're probably going to have and it's different for everybody you know i've got kids i don't have nearly the time that you do george um but i i do want to see her become the best she can be um and i spend a lot of time with her yeah. a lot yeah sorry i'm raising my hand like like don't end it yet you got more to say i i will close my mouth right after i make this comment i hope you know people are like wow you guys were out of Georgia's for 10 hours today working dogs. I don't have 10 hours. I got kids in soccer. I got kids in hockey. I got kids in volleyball. I got, we, we're, life is busy, right? Mm -hmm. 
again, if you break it down to small one inch by one inch building blocks and you take five minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, five minutes, I mean, you do what you can, where you can, when you can with the amount of time you have. Now, I don't want you to try and get something done out there and be rushed. Don't rush it. But if you take five minutes and 10 minutes and and break it down that way, you don't have to spend an entire day doing this. If you do the little things, we, you'll make, we did you'll today make, on steroids. We, we did, <laughs> we but did. we were committed. Yes. We got a winter storm coming in. We had birds. <laughs> we have dogs. That are, but the three of us have all done these little five-minute things. For a long time. So yep. that's what can get discouraging when you get your first dog. Like, oh, my gosh, I don't have all that time. Or, oh, we're not going to – now I'm not going to get a dog. Did you hear those guys? They spent – all day today, they're spending all this time. Well, I, that's what I do. That's what I do, folks. I train dogs. I have my dogs. I'm all about my dogs. I have two daughters, but they're growing and they're, you know, they're they're getting, they're doing their life thing. But I don't want someone to get discouraged and go, oh my gosh, this, there is time invested, but it can be little things. How do you eat an elephant, Travis? One bite at a time, George. And I, I say that so many times during the day, you know. I'm in retail. I have a real. I have a job. I'm in retail, and I'm like, wow. How are we going to get through this task? Well, we're going to break it down like we did today. We're going to break these things down, and it's we're going to just bite off a little bit of time. So don't get discouraged. Like, oh my gosh, I got to devote you know four hours on every Saturday. No, it's 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 a seven day a week job, but take it in small increments, yeah. and you'll be successful. You will. Amen. Amen. Uh, Ben, um, I think you and I can both say, because George has opened up uh, our eyes to so much, the the knowledge and seeing this and being a part of it. You know, he talks about learning from Delmar and these legendary trainers. And there's going to be a day when we're going to be like, and we learn from the George Lyle. I got to learn from George Lyle. And we're going to be helping other people Mm. because you helped us. Yep. God you, willing. Yes. I'm gonna, I, I want you to know how much it means. I've told you this so many times, George, and I will continue to tell it. But I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you have passed down, the wisdom that you are openly willing to share with us, because it's going to forever uh, be a part of my life. And I hope dozens, hundreds, I don't know how many more, but thank you. You're welcome, Travis. I I love every second of it, and I love watching you two like embrace the program and just look at your. Do- I mean, just all you. I know you have it because I look at your dogs today, and I'm like, well, that is really cool. It's so I mean, because cool. if it, if you weren't doing the work, we wouldn't have seen it today, and I would have said, what are you guys been doing? <laughs> <laughs> and you've done the homework, and. Uh, it, it, but anyway, thank you, Travis, very much. That's yeah. a big compliment. I'm excited for next season. Um, gosh, I, if, if you're listening to this and you say, gosh, I just want more, um, let me know. Send me a message. Send us a message. I, I, I know we ran on a lot of different stories along the way, and there's so much to learn. Ben's, Ben's calling for more here. He wants more. He wants the mic. <laughs> I was going to say, we should do a marathon one day. Start at 9 a.m. I bet we could do this for 12 hours. A podcast? And not, and not, not get off foundation. <laughs> I know. That's the crazy thing. I, I, in my mind when we started, how am I going to explain this? I apologize if I didn't do a good job. 
I'm happy if you learned something from it. But seriously, if this is helpful for you and you want you want more of this, uh, please let me know that. I, and I know a lot of the listeners of this show are very open to reaching out, and I appreciate that. It helps me to know what you want to listen to, and it helps me help you. So uh, let's keep an open mic, George, right? An open mic? An open mic, 100%. All right. I, I wish I had... Uh I wish I had all the time in the world to help more people that want to learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you got to be willing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We'll leave it at that, buddy. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about next week, um, but I'm guessing it's probably going to be about hunting for birds and dogs and adventures and who knows what. Who knows what? But I do have a DNR. Uh, cons- uh, I have three. DNR officers lined up to come on the show to tell stories from the field. I'm excited about that. So that's coming up. I've got a vet coming up. I got a lot of good guests, so I hope you'll continue to join us. I'm Travis Frank reminding you to take the time to introduce someone new to the field.